Welcome to Piecemeal, an Emily program podcast where we put it all together for you. Piecemeal discusses topics related to eating disorders, body image issues, and how society may contribute to distorted thinking. I'm your host, Claire Holtz, and today is the very first episode of our recovery series. This new monthly series will feature voices of those in eating disorder recovery in hopes of breaking down stigmas, answering questions, and helping others find healing. Today, we have Anna Hashizume on the show. Hi, Anna. Hi. Welcome to Peace Meal. We're really excited to have you here. Thank you. A little background on Anna. Anna's a singer-actor and a voice teacher in the Twin Cities, so Minnesota. She has her undergraduate degree in music and theater and her master's of music. Throughout her academic career, she traveled across the country and abroad doing opera training programs and performing in festivals. Once she finished school, she decided to broaden her scope of performing, and now she does opera, musical theater, and plays, as well as commercial and modeling work. Anna has a YouTube channel under the name Anna Miyuki, which is really great. I just watched it before we had her on the show, so I would <laughs> check it out. On that channel, she strives to create a place where actors and singers can navigate the world of performing arts without feeling so alone. So before we dive into your story about your eating disorder, Anna, can you tell us what brought you to piecemeal? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm a huge podcast fan. Um, I love listening to podcasts, and um, I go to therapy at the Emily program, have been for a while now. And my therapist actually recommended um, this. We were, you know, just chatting as you do in therapy. <laughs> and um, she um, was like, you know, I think it would be really good for you to kind of talk about these things. You're a very articulate person. You have a lot of opinions on things. And I think it would be good for you to share them. And um, what I'm excited about is this is kind of my coming out story. Um, I haven't really been vocal about the fact that this has been a big part of my life and a big part of what has made me who I am today. And um, I'm really excited to share that with people and also to hopefully help other people through the story that I have. Well, we're so excited that you're sharing it with us first on the podcast. It's a huge deal to us. I know we have a ton of people writing in on Facebook and social media all the time, just asking for more recovery stories. So we're really, really happy to have you as the first guest on our show. Yay. (laughs) And then just moving to the origin of your story, can you share a bit about your eating disorder and when it started? So I was in college and um, I, you know, as a lot of times happens in college, you know, you're on your own. And I started to try vegetarianism. And I don't blame vegetarianism at all. Um, but I, uh, you know, started becoming vegetarian. I'm lactose intolerant already. So um, kind of then I was like, well, maybe I could just try being vegan because all I have to really do is cut out eggs. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> so I decided to you know, try that. And um, then, you know, some traumatic events happened, mostly with a friend um, who I thought was a very good friend. And it turned out um, she, I guess, it, it was it was a it was a lot um, of, I guess, friendship drama. And um, I was just kind of wanting attention from her. And I uh, I just started starving myself and, um, you know, I 
was also, you know, trying to get in shape. Um, there was a lot, you know, there was a lot of factors that went into it, but um, I was trying to get into shape as well. And um, she was a very healthy person. And I kind of was trying to outdo her. <laughs> um, and, you know, the as society makes us feel great about Every time you step on the scale and the number gets lower and lower, that's a good thing in society. So as the numbers kept getting lower and lower, um, I, you know, was feeling great, and uh, then it just kind of spiraled out of control. How old were you when this started? I guess probably like nineteen or twenty. Okay, and so. We had an episode last month with Hilmar where we talked about dieting and things like that. So you say vegetarianism didn't play into your eating disorder, but could you see it being a risk factor? Yes. I definitely think any quote-unquote diet that promotes cutting things out um, of of what you eat can definitely be a risk factor. Um, you know, I was vegetarian, then I was a vegan, then I started being gluten-free, and it just like it just kept spiraling where I just kind of kept um, taking out food groups and making what I could eat smaller and smaller. And then I started doing the whole raw thing, and it was summer, and you know, it's fine. You know, you know, you eat a lot of raw foods in the summer anyway. Watermelon's great. I love watermelon, but I would eat, you know like a fourth of a watermelon for breakfast, and that would be my breakfast. And um, so I started doing the raw thing, and, you know, it just, you know, these things can definitely contribute. (laughs) Mm -hmm. How long did it last? Or how, from the progression, from when you started to yourself consciously notice that you had disordered eating, when, from that moment until you got treatment, like how long was that time period? I want to say it was maybe about a year. So I kind of started, I'll never forget, I actually took a picture with that that one friend um, and posted it on Facebook. And I remember my mom commenting on it, being like, you look too skinny. You know, I grew up Mm -hmm. in a family that did not have any, my mom was never a person who promoted, you know, dieting. She was always like, eat everything in moderation. You know, I grew up in a very active family, so we were always active. We always ate pretty healthfully, but, you know, we never restricted ourselves. Um, But I'll never forget my mom kind of commenting on that and me feeling self-conscious because I knew that I was losing weight and I knew that I was getting really skinny, but I couldn't really stop it. And I, I wanted to like delete that picture because I was like, she noticed, you know? And um, as I kept kind of going home for, for breaks during college, it just like kept becoming more and more obvious. Um, and it was definitely my parents that kind of pushed me to, to, talk, about, to talk about it, to, to talk to someone telling me that I kind of had an, a problem. Um, there was a girl in college as well who is a very, um, we still are, you know, in contact today. Um, she I re- she pulled me aside one time and was like, you know, she also struggled with an eating disorder. So she pulled me aside one day and she was like, I think, I think you are going through what I, and I remember I hated her at that time. I was oh. like, you know, you know, I was like, no, I'm not, you know, I was so defensive about it. 
we clearly got over that. We're friends now. <laughs> <laughs> like she understood why I was so defensive. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, but I want to say from the time when I really started noticing that my weight was really going down, that I was completely restricting everything that I was eating till when I started getting treatment was about a year or so. So your mom comments on the picture. You leave it up, I'm assuming. Yes. And then what? Does she bring it up again? Do you bring it up? Do you just ignore it? I I remember kind of just like commenting back, like replying to the comment being like, oh, haha, you know, no, I'm not. Like, I, you know, it's the angle of the, you know, the way I was posing that made me look skinnier or whatever. Um, but yeah, I remember like I saw that comment. I had that pit in my stomach of like, oh, crap. Like someone's noticing this like mental thing that's going on with me. Mm-hmm. So did your mom bring it up again soon? Did she wait a while? I honestly can't remember. You know, a lot of that time is a blur yeah. <laughs> to me. Um, I, I'll i never forget. I keep saying I'll never forget because there are moments within this this time when I went from, you know, being just like an active person who was trying to eat healthy to completely restricting and disordered thinking about it. Um, there's a time in there where where there are certain moments that stick out to being like that there was a problem and then there are other times that are kind of a blur because I just it was such a difficult time in my life that it's almost like I'm blocking that memory out or just trying not to think about it but there was a time um when I was home in the summer I think it was when I started getting help at the Emily program um, or like, you know, I had just taken an intake because people were noticing things. Um, and my my mom and I were in the mall. And I get like emotional talking about this because she was so worried about me. Um, and she just, we were walking and wow, I did not think this would get me this emotional. <laughs> okay. We were walking and she just started crying because she was so concerned. And I I do remember that being like, you know, my mom and I are really, really close. And I just remember being like, I don't, I don't want her to be this worried about me. And, you know, I, it took me still a while to be like, okay, I need to get help. Um, or, or like, you know, participate in therapy instead of just go to therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, I do remember that sticking out as a moment where I was like, crap. <laughs> like, I need to, something needs to happen. <laughs> so what was the first step in getting treatment? What was the thing that needed to happen? Well, you know, I, I've always been, I've always been a good kid. I've always listened to what people, you know, tell me to do. I, I, um, I've never been super rebellious. So when my when my mom and when all these people were kind of commenting on my weight, noticing these things, and when my mom was like, you know, there's this there's this place in Minnesota because I was home for the summer. Okay. Um I didn't go to school, I didn't go to college here. Um so I was home for the summer and I um well first of all, okay, backtrack. I first went to therapy one time because of that issue that I had with that friend. I was I was in a lot of I was also um I don't know if you want to keep this in but I was on hormonal birth control at the time and that was not great for me. Um it can be great for some people. I'm not saying that, but it it didn't work for me. And so that thing was going on with that friend. 
I was on hormonal birth control. I, my, my emotions were all over the place. Um, and I was starting to restrict my food intake, which also kind of messes with what's going on in your head. Um, so I went to therapy. I just did like at the university that I was going to, you know, they have a mental health clinic. So I just went and I just wanted to, to talk about it. So that was my first therapy experience. Um, and it was great. The guy was, the guy was wonderful. But um, I came home for the summer, and that's when you know my parents started really noticing that something was wrong. Um, and they, I think my mom like sat me down, and she was like, "There's this clinic in Minnesota called the Emily Program, um, and they specialize in eating disorders. And maybe you should go and just take an intake and see see what's going on." And I remember taking that intake, and you know checking all of the boxes that I knew were going to diagnose me with an eating disorder. And, um, you know, again, being like, crap. <laughs> um, and that was when I started getting treatment here. Um, when I went back to school, um, I they actually, at the university that I went to, I think I can say it, Indiana University, um, they have a great, actually a really great program for students who are struggling with an eating disorder. Um, so it's like that three-person team that I think the Emily program does as well, or they did when I started. Yep. Yeah, we still do treatment okay, teams. Okay, great, yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, where like you see a doctor, a nutritionist, and a therapist. And I went and saw, you know, the nutritionist and the therapist once, a, like each of them once a week. So I went up to the health clinic twice a week, and then I saw the doctor, I think like once a month. And... Um, it did take me a long time to even, you know, to still realize what I was doing was not quote unquote normal. Um, and uh, but they they were a great treatment team. So I went to them while I was in school because it started like my sophomore year. So I went to them when I was in school. And then when I came back here for the summers, I got treatment at the Emily program. So during that time when you're struggling with an eating disorder and you're restricting your food and amidst like a ton of other life changes, it seems like, especially with college and the stress of that, were people, would people have noticed it? Were you doing things differently? Were you not attending classes? Were you skipping things? Would it have been noticeable to most people, do you think? So I, I do think, I mean, I was down to, you know, I was very, very thin at the time. Um, and I do think a lot of my friends, a lot of my close friends noticed that there was something wrong. I'm not sure if other people, I mean, and I do this now where I don't want to assume that a thin person has an eating disorder because I understand that all body sizes and all body shapes are different and that people can be born with different sizes. So I'm not sure if people that I didn't know knew or maybe just assumed that I was born in a smaller body. Um, I, I do know that some of my friends knew. Um, I, again, have not ever been very vocal about it. So um, I think I opened up to maybe a few friends. Um, but most of my friends at the time, I don't think wanted to bring it up to me, didn't mm -hmm. want to really talk about it. And I was, again, I was very secretive about it. I was very um, wanting it to be normal. I was actually, I was, and, and again, I don't want to make this sound like a bad thing, but I was friends with a lot of uh, 
the school that I went to has a really big ballet program. So I was friends with a lot of dancers. Um, and a lot of them were very thin, of course, as, as most dancers are because they are very fit. And again, a lot of them are born in like smaller bodies. Um, and a lot of people actually assumed that I was a dancer because I hung out with a lot of them. And I was, again, very thin at the time. Um, so I guess that almost made it seem normal as well um, because I hung out with a lot of people that were in smaller bodies. I think that's an important story to share, too. It's often hard to tell if people have eating disorders based on what they look like, but there are times when close friends can tell. But as always, important to note that people can look all different ways, size, shapes, heights, anything, and still suffer from an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. But going back to what you said, you said you did open up to a few friends about it. What was that process like? Well, to be honest, um, I was not always sober when I... (laughs) I don't know if I can say that. You, yeah, you can say that. That's okay. part of your story. <laughs> yeah, I was not always sober when I opened up. Um, you know, as you do in college, you go out and you go drinking and all that, you know, stuff. Um, so a lot of the times when it would come up was because I would get emotional drinking. Um, and I did actually have a very good friend. He was a dancer who also struggled with an eating disorder. And we were kind of able... <laughs> both when we were not sober, to kind of talk about it, which was helpful. And um, I know that sounds kind of weird, but it, w- it was helpful to maybe confide in someone. I-, I don't think maybe we were the healthiest people to talk to each other about, but it was, it was nice to talk to someone who was in the midst of it um, since I didn't really know how to talk to anyone else about it because you can kind of relate to each other. Um, I don't know if I would recommend that to anyone, um, but for me, it was was nice to at, at least have someone who you could kind of commiserate with, I guess. Mm hmm So then you got treatment at the Emily program. You obviously had to tell more people. Was it easier telling people in treatment? Was it harder? What is that experience like juxtaposed to sharing it with people in your personal life? So I, I never did any group things. Again, I was, I was too kind of scared to do that. I was, I was also too scared to be affected by other people. I'm a very competitive person, <laughs> and I didn't want to go to a I, – and I know myself in that way, and I didn't want to go to a group thing and be like – you know, oh, this person, you know, eats less than me, so I need to, you know, so I I didn't want that to affect me because it had in the past. Um, And that's part of the reason, you know, I got to where I was. So I really just opened up to my treatment team um, as well as my therapist at the EMILY program. My parents, of course, knew about it. I think my parents told my grandparents. Um, I have uh, some grandparents that live in Minneapolis, so they, you know, of course they noticed. They asked my mom about it, and and my mom did tell them. Um, but we mostly kept it. I don't want to say we kept it like a secret and hush hush from my family, but mostly it was just kind of out of respect. To, like my parents knew that I didn't want to be open about it, um, but. There were moments when I would get really mad at my parents about talking to me about it. I felt like they were noticing these things about me. Um, But for the most part, there were glimmers of sunlight, I guess, in the sense that I would 
be able to open to, up to my mom every once in a while and and tell her this is what I'm struggling with, this is what's going on, all these things, and then. I would shut down and then be like, okay, I don't want to talk about this anymore. And my parents were very respectful of that. Um, my parents also went to um, group, uh, what are those? The support nights. Yes, they yeah. went to support nights um, where they were able to kind of understand how to deal with me. Um, I would recommend any parent, spouse, anyone to, to go to those um, just because I think eating disorders are a very specific kind of beast that um, you need you know you need to speak to the person with a certain language <clears throat> with a certain language with a certain respect and not trigger anything you know food is such a big part of everyone's life and I I think that having you know, Trying not to just walk on eggshells, but try to be trying to be respectful is is really important. And my parents did a very very good job at that. That story is a great example of why we're doing these recovery stories. There's a lot of parents that seek help at the Emily program. They come to support nights. They come to our recovery nights. We have an eating disorders 101 class they can take, and they're doing it because they're just not sure where to go, who to talk to, and what support to get. Eating disorders, they're a tough time for everyone in the family. They're stressful, they're complex, they're anxiety-inducing. So I think it's really important to both share stories from the parent perspective and also from the individual who's recovered from their perspective, how their parents helped and what it looked like. So if any parents out there are seeking additional resources, you can visit our website, www.emilyprogram.com, and we have tons of support resources on there for parents. But just really important that we share this story. So I'm glad you're talking about your relationship with your parents, Anna, because I yeah. think it's something that isn't talked about enough. So it leaves tons of parents feeling isolated and without support themselves. Definitely. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of listener questions or things we're frequently asked, we do have three listener questions for you today. Are you ready to answer them? For sure. Awesome. Our first question is, when you were in the midst of your eating disorder, how could loved ones have been supportive to you? I definitely think those support nights are really, really great. Um, my again, my parents were were very, very supportive of, you know, they never pushed me to stop being vegetarian, vegan, all the things that I was um, when I was kind of in the midst of everything. But they really tried to encourage that we, you know, sit down and eat as a family, even though we're eating, you know, vegetables and quinoa or whatever, you know, but they they very much encourage that we continue to sit down and eat together. When I was home, you know, eat dinner together. Um, my mom would often, because um, I would kind of mask being nervous to eat dinner or lunch or whatever with the fact that like you know I was in college and I I didn't have the money to mm -hmm. to spend on on food or whatever and um my I once I kind of opened up to my parents about it and everything um I would often text my mom and be like I'm really nervous about about eating uh dinner or something or, or getting this for dinner and and my my mom would 
monetarily help me out with that because she knew that I was, you know, kind of masking that. Um, again, I, I know that maybe is not feasible for every family re in recovery, but um, that that to me was was helpful. And honestly, the meals I was, you know, nervous to pay for were, you know, like frozen dinners. They weren't <laughs> like, you know, an extravagant steak meal. Yeah. So so that kind of monetary support was was something that I needed, um, as well as. So right now, um, I think this is important to share too. I um, I am in a relationship. I've been in a um, relationship for a few years now, um, and he has really helped me in recovery. He's a professional cook, um, <laughs> which <laughs> which is is super funny and ironic. <laughs> um, but he has really been gentle with supporting me through becoming okay with eating different food groups. Um, you know, I was still a vegetarian when I met him. Um, that vegetarianism, I was I was there for a very long time. Um, and he was actually the catalyst to kind of help me transfer over to becoming uh, omnivore <laughs> and eating all different foods. And he's really helped me and he has, he doesn't even know how much he's helped me become you know just more just able to eat more foods and be okay with eating all different foods and be okay with going a day without maybe eating a vegetable because sometimes that's life it's okay to not eat a vegetable and one of my one of my biggest things lately has been um Having a, I, I've never gone through a drive-through in all the years that I've been struggling with an eating disorder and in recovery. I would never go through a drive-through, and the other night we went through a drive-through because he knew that was Ooh. such a like hurdle for me, nice. and um, it was it was fun and it was you know Congrats. it was late at night and it was delicious <laughs> at the time and um, he's been he's been a big support and I think just gentle. Um, just gentle reinforcement of, you know, do you want to eat this? And and helping with decisions because sometimes I, I still go to a grocery store and I get so overwhelmed um, just by choice. I want to, you know, I want to look at calorie count and everything. And you know, sometimes we're at a grocery store together and I'm just like, I I can't decide. And he'll just he'll do it. And it just takes the thinking out of it. I think that's a big thing sometimes is a lot, you know, eating disorders, you want to overthink everything. And I think having someone that you trust who can kind of help take the thinking out of it, but keep in mind that you have, that, you, you know, you don't want to push too far. And if you're, you know, vegetarian, you don't want to start eating beef right away. Like you want to have that kind of just gentle reinforcing of, no, you know, we're going to, we're going to eat as a family or we're going to, you know, try a few different food groups. If pasta is really scary for you, maybe we'll have a little pasta and a lot of vegetable. You know, just just this like constant kind of trying to move forward, but very gently. Congratulations again. That's <laughs> very exciting to go through a fast food drive through. Um, who would have thought on a podcast this would be what's exciting? <laughs> <I know. laughs> but it is. It's huge. So that's. That's just so exciting. I feel like uh, whoever is your treatment team that is here and probably listening to this podcast will be very pleased with you. <laughs> They'll be very proud of you and happy for you. Uh, but going back to your partner, how did you tell him about your eating disorder? Uh, it took a while. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, 
gosh, I, I really just one day I just sat him down. You know, I talked about it with my therapist quite a bit mm-hmm. um, because she was always like, OK, have you told him about the eating disorder thing? And um, it was actually kind of nice for a while that he didn't know, you know, but um, I, I wanted him to know. Again, it's a big part of my life. Um, and when, you know, you're a partner with someone in life, like you want to uh, share that and um, he's been very sensitive about it ever since. Um, and, I, you know, I'm at that point in my recovery where I, I can talk to him pretty openly about it. Um, so it's it's nice to be able to, you know, tell someone I'm nervous about this and whatever. But um, I basically did just sit him down um, and said, this is my history. This is what I've struggled with. Um, this is why I'm vegetarian still. I, you know, all these things. Um, and I said, if he, you know, had any questions, he can talk to me about it. I know it's like a big thing. Um, and, uh, but I was like, this is why I have like such strong opinions on like body image and like these kinds of things as well. So, um, yeah, it's 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 a conversation that is difficult to have with a loved one, mm-hmm. especially because you don't want I've never wanted someone to look at me differently because I've had an eating disorder. Um, you know, that's not how I define myself. So I've I that's why I've been hesitant to tell people. And I didn't want him to, you know, look at the way I eat differently. But he hasn't, you know, he has a big appreciation for food and he has a big appreciation for um, the way people eat. And he is very sensitive to the way people eat. So, it, you know, he has been the perfect person to, to go through this with. Um, but it is just kind of sitting down and having that tough conversation, but only when you're ready. You know, it's your story, you know. If someone was in the same situation as you during that, what's one tip you would give them? Be vulnerable, which I know is super, super hard. Um, It's something that I have a hard time being. But um, the thing is, when you sit down and tell someone that you've been struggling with this or that you have struggled with this in the past, there's likely to be questions because as you know, probably since you're listening to this podcast, um, eating disorders are very misunderstood in in our society. Um, so there are likely to be questions that your partner, your significant other will have about this. Um, and I recommend that if you're going to tell them, tell them your boundaries as well. Tell them, this is what I'm okay talking about. I'm okay talking about this when I'm okay talking about this. And if I say, you know, if you ask me a question and I'm not ready to answer it, um, please respect that. And um, maybe someday I'll be ready to answer it, but please don't, please don't push it, you know. Um, and just, you know, be vulnerable and set your boundaries is what I would say. I love that advice. Our second question is, what ultimately pushed you to realize you needed help? My parents were a big part of you know, telling me that I needed help. But I think the big thing that was a factor for me was my career. Um, 
as Claire said at the beginning, I'm a singer, actor, voice teacher. Um, I, I'm clearly very passionate about performing. Um, you don't go into performing without being passionate about it. It's not the most monetarily stable career in, in the world. Um, and I remember kind of noticing that you know my singing was not as strong as it had been my support system um if you know anything about singing you know your diaphragm your abdomen is what is kind of your your breath support system and you need it singing is very um singing is very physical and i was noticing i couldn't sustain sustain you know singing an entire opera <laughs> um you know on uh, when I was super thin and not eating anything. So for me, it was it, it has always been what has been pushing me to recovery is the fact that I'm super passionate about what I do and that I want my, you know, I want to have the career that I have spent so much time and energy <laughs> working toward. Um, I didn't want to to be stopped because I had to be hospitalized. And our final question for this episode for you, Anna, is why was recovery worth it to you? Peace of mind. Um, man, I remember a time when all I could think about was food and when my next meal would be and, and planning out my snacks and my food and, and all that stuff and, and how much I was going to eat. And I don't spend that energy thinking about that anymore and that brain space has been able to go to all of the you know many many different projects that I pursue on you know a weekly basis I, I do a lot <laughs> with my time um, and I love I love everything that I do but um, I definitely wouldn't be able to do that if I was still concentrating so hard on how many calories I'm eating how you know how many uh, servings of vegetables how many servings of carbohydrates how much protein you know i i wouldn't be able to do and and to excel in everything that i do if i was still thinking about that 24/7 and still just looking at you know uh, food pictures online and all of those things i i wouldn't be able to spend the time doing what I really love, which is you know performing and teaching and and communicating with people about performing. Speaking about performing and everything else you do, where can we find you? Oh yeah, so um, I'm everywhere as Anna Hashizume. Um, <laughs> um, I'm lucky I have a very unique <laughs> last name, so um, I'm on Instagram at Anna Hashizume. Facebook, you can find me there if. People still use Facebook. I, I still do. Um, still first and last name, Anna Hashizume. Twitter is the same thing. I rarely use it, but I am on Twitter. Um, and YouTube, again, is Anna Miyuki. Miyuki is my middle name. And I used to be super ashamed of it, and I decided to use it for my YouTube. So here we are. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, I do have a website if you ever want to see me um, do my thing on stage. Um, and that, again, is my first and last name, just... If you Google me, you will find me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, check her out. Last name is, let me spell it for you guys, H-A-S-H-I-Z-U-M-E. That way you can definitely find her. <laughs> so thanks for joining us today, yeah, Anna. Thank you so much. <laughs>
Piecemeal is an Emily program podcast with new episodes out the first Monday of every month and new recovery series episodes out the third Wednesday of each month. If you enjoyed today's episode, find Anna and check her out. And also subscribe, rate, or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you'd like to learn more about the Emily program and what we do, you can visit emilyprogram.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Emily Program. Piecemeal is hosted by me, Claire Holtz, produced by myself and Nancy Linden, with music by Dan Forkey. And to all you folks out there, we wish you peace of mind, a sense of hope, and long-lasting recovery.